This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the besotted Pride of West London podcast. And we're back in the virtual joint after virtually a couple of quite disappointing games is what I will say. We had Stoke City. There used to be Division 3, but not anymore. And they did us yet again on Saturday. We had a game of, well, it was a game of two halves, it's got to be said. And then Norwich came down last night which was Tuesday night as well and there was also a bit of disappointment there my name is Billy Grant and I'm sitting here with my chums in the virtual joint they're not virtual they're also sitting in their own gaffs as well and we're mixing it up a little bit we've got the Greville water man in the house the water man how are you are you feeling as disappointed as I am Uh, I'm just in sort of suspended animation Billy you know this is a free hit of a season so what happens happens I've gone all zen. Listen, Greville, I could see it's probably because the, the lighting in your room and everything like that, it's obviously kind of got you, it's got you in a different sense, in a different zone than the rest of us. I'm sort of feeling a little bit frantic, especially after that last minute equaliser from Norwich yesterday, which is so frustrating. But, you know, it's one of those things, isn't it? Yeah, it's how it goes. How it goes. Um, I, I'm expecting nothing this season. If we do something great, let's get players fit. I'm just enjoying it as much as I can. And to be honest, I'm not enjoying this season at all because it's not football as we know it. And I can't really get my head around it. There you go. Mr. Gloom. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right. Well, we'll have to try and lift your gloom a little bit. We'll have everyone turned off in 15 minutes. You know what I'm Go to watch Coronation Street or something, you know. We've got GP in the house, Gary Paul. Gary Paul, you, last season you were all over this, but it seems since lockdown... You've gone into lockdown yourself, GP. Where have you been? Where have you been hiding? Yeah, mate, to be honest, it's just been well, work, home, work, home, work, home. What else can you do in these times? <laughs> There's a lot of other things you can do as well. I mean, a lot of them is not particularly legal at the moment now. But then the, you could always make the excuse I didn't actually know what the rules were. But, you know, that's what everybody else seems to be doing. Well, I've got dodgy eyesight, but that's for another discussion. <laughs> <laughs> 
that is definitely for another discussion so listen talk about another discussion I mean, we've got a few things we're going to talk about obviously we're going to talk about the Stoke City game on Saturday we're going to talk about the Norwich game that we had the other day as well we've got JB with his stat attack as well you know and also we've got Will the spreadsheet winker as well he's going to be giving us some stats from those two matches as well and then we'll be looking ahead to Saturday's game against Luton we've got Lewis Williams from Luton who'll be giving us the lowdown on Luton Town but listen guys let's just come back to Saturday Stoke City now, I'm going to have to admit, I was a, I mean, when I saw the lineup, I was a little bit confused. I thought, for it at the back, we haven't done that for a while. But I was even more confused by our performance on, on in the first half on Saturday. Revel, what was that all about? Well, we, we went to 3-4-3, three, three, and it didn't work. We forgot how to defend. We forgot how to pass the ball. We just didn't play. And Stoke just bullied us as normal. And the game was over. Um, by the time we reverted to 4-3-3 and brought in some creativity in Johnson, the, in Jensen, the game had gone. It was just a really poor, dour performance, a non-performance at Stoke, just like last time. Um, and when we did go to 4-3-3, it was all a little bit too late. Marcus Force came on and, of course, um, sparkled and got two late goals, which made it look a lot more close, a lot closer than it really was. It was a bad day at the office. Do, do you think that Thomas Frank sort of overthought that Stoke game? Do you, you know, because obviously he changed it from what we normally do. Did he think, oh, I need to do this to combat them because, you know, you know, stats-wise and XG-wise, they're, they're, they're better than they, they should, and all this kind of stuff. And do you think that he did that and should have just maybe just stuck to his normal guns? Well, it's easy, you know, hindsight is easy. The problem we've got is we've got about 18 or 19 fit players. We're playing two games a week till Christmas. And we've got players injured, an ever-lengthening in- injury list. And we've got, I'm sure, players in the red zone. So he's doing his best to just use the squad as well as he can. And we have so few midfield players. I think he thought that was a way of, you know, killing two birds with one stone. Combating the aerial ability of Fletcher and also allowing us uh, to play one less midfielder. But it completely rebounded on him because we defended like tarts. <laughs> Okay, and we talk about jam tarts here now, Greville. I mean, obviously, is what you're talking about. You know, that's what you like. That's what that's what I can see you're eating there, there in your in your little boudoir. Like you know, you got your you got your you got your whiskey and then a few apple tarts there, Greville. I, I can see what's going on there in North London. Jeez, oh dear, GP. Listen, I mean, GP. I mean, I, I was. I mean, I was. I mean, I, I, I didn't go down the pub to watch this one, and uh, you know, to be honest with you, I was probably a bit gutted because I, I think I probably needed a few beers just to get me through that first half. I've been <laughs> my really not sort of a thing. I'm say isolating with me, with the daughter. Somebody in her class got tested for COVID, so she's had to uh, she's had to stay at home um, for the last week and a bit. She, she's already isolated for a week because the kid had been off school for a week, but she had to. So I didn't have to myself, but I was doing the old solidarity thing with her because she's a bit gutted if I was going to pop off to the pub on my own and leave her alone. So I've been actually watching it at home with her, and I have to admit it was it was a very hard watch. But I mean, where GP? Where did we go wrong? Well, probably the first place we went wrong is we went to play a football match in Stoke. Um, history says that doesn't go. To, <laughs> history says that doesn't go too well for us, and uh, despite some half decent performance, we haven't won in Stoke for for I don't know, I, I think ever. I don't think we've ever beaten them at Stoke, have we? No, no. Can no. we count the last time we went to Vale Park? 
It's in the envelope of Stoke, isn't it? I realise I'm clutching at clutching at straws no. somewhat, but no, no. If you if it, yeah, if you said that to a Stoke City fan, he is a, he or she would be very unhappy with you with that one. Oh yeah, but it's a bit like it's surely it's a bit like going as a London club. We won't go there. But anyway, look. But where do we go wrong, GP? Other than going, actually just turning up, what else went wrong? Um, well, to be honest, I can only echo what Greville said. I think there was a degree of what have we got? That was a game where you really wanted Norgard to be playing. We haven't. We just didn't really have a like for like in that situation. And I think he wanted to keep it tight. Unfortunately, our defence didn't. So that kind of went wrong. And as he said, it just didn't work out. And, you know, it, the, the season's still young. Although it seems like we played a lot of games, that's probably because last season finished so late. And we had such a small gap. But there have been changes in the team. As I said, we've got the injuries. But it is, in essence, a new season. And it's, what, seven games old? You know, we're seven league games into it. So, there, you know, it's similar to what happens virtually every year with Brentford because of the churn. We get to a situation where we're kicking off and we're still trying things. And to be honest, most teams are like that. I think it was just one of those, it was just one of those days um, where we get, we let the game get away from us. It is a bit worrying that we, you know, it reminded me of um, a couple of years ago when we were conceding a lot of goals. Um, but you know, it, we've got another thirty-nine games to try and put that right. <laughs> Simple as that, you go, guys. I mean, this is Greville. I'm just look, listen. I don't, at this time of the season, I don't actually normally look at the league table because I think it's a little bit of a, a waste of time. Because as we see, things always change differently. I mean, round about this time in the league last year, I think QPR were just uh, snapping on the heels of the playoffs. I think Swansea were top, and I can't even remember who was second. But it was just you know, it was it was all over the place. It was teams that just didn't even feature at the. At the I mean, obviously Swansea were there, but um, you know, but. That, that was kind of what it was. So, like I said, you don't look at it. But, however, I did have a little peep at the league table because seeing Reading top with, like, 22 points is something ridiculous. And I was just thinking, I'm not being funny. They're, like, they're like a, a million miles away from where we are. It's almost, like, quite similar to... Remember that time when we, when we were in uh, Division 1 and the Orient were all the way up there and they did the old mind the gap, you know, and, and I'm sure they had sort of a massive gap like that compared to where we are. It kind of, it's like a similar feel to that where we feel like we're not really getting going, but Reading, who are a team that, I'm not knocking, it's cool, but, you know, they seem to have one chance a game and score them, but they've got a very tight defence. They, they seem to be the antithesis of, of what we're doing at the moment now. Am I right? Yeah, I mean, Reading have started like a house on fire. Uh, they've got a new manager, and obviously they've got the bounce from that. They've got decent players. And, you know, yesterday they scored four goals at Blackburn. But I saw, I think it's running for them. They've had a few dodgy penalties. They scored in 10 seconds yesterday. And if you saw that goal, it was a complete fluke. It was a hoof down the middle from the kickoff. And it bounced off two defenders' knees and ran straight to the centre forward 10 yards out in front of an empty goal. I mean, it, it was ludicrous. It was a pinball goal. And once that happened, everyone, Blackburn heads went down. Look, nothing, no, leagues aren't won in October. Leagues are won in March, April. So we just have to wait and see what happens. I mean, there, there's some early runners and riders, um, but who knows who will come through. This time last year, we started coming through the pack. Maybe we can do the same, but there is a, the key difference between us now and last year is this time last year, 
we were we had a settled team the new players were beginning to get used to our, our way of doing things and their teammates and the pattern of play and things were beginning to come together we had if i remember rightly a really good end of october and a brilliant november and december so whereas now to be honest it's the other way around because players are going down like nine pins uh thomas frank is struggling to get 18 players you know in a squad and i honestly think it's going to be tough for us until christmas until we get players back and then because the league is so open and even i don't think there'll be more than one team if any that have run away with this league it's then a question of whether we can play catch-up why not perhaps we can GP, I'm going to ask us, just listen to what Greville said, which is, I think is a very fair point. You talk about these players, you know, going down on nine pins because this is a bit of a problem. You know, obviously Norgard's out. You know, you've got these players flipping in and out the time side the whole time. You know, is Jansen injured? Is he not injured? Is, you know, you don't know what's going on. No, we've known that we've needed to play Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday. We, I mean, we've known this. And of course, like, you know, the window's come and gone. Do you think, you know, and again, it's in retrospect that we probably didn't arm ourselves enough um, in this window to deal with this? Because it seems to me that we know what our first 11 is, but as soon as a few of those key players come out, we're really struggling, you know, with actually kind of getting a, 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 an 11 which will, you know, will compete like we want them to or we know that they will do, you know. So we're kind of like bringing Marcondes in and out. We're bringing, you know, all these different players in and out, not knowing whether or not they're going to actually kind of deliver or not, whereas we know our first 11 will deliver. So do you think that, you know, in knowing this situation, knowing, you know, the fact that we've kind of, I know, we're in COVID terms, I understand, and economics are hard, but also on the other hand, we, you know, we didn't spend the malpay money. We got loads of money for Watkins. We got loads of money in from Ben Rama and we spent a bit of it. Do you think that, you know, in retrospect, maybe we could have kind of sort of kind of reinforced a little bit more in a few key areas? I'm not so sure. I mean, you know, basically we have replaced Watkins and Ben Rama. Uh, Tony is a completely different player to Watkins and I think will be just as effective in a, in a, in a different way and score maybe even more goals. Godos could be anything. He's certainly a footballer. He's just not fit. Uh, but we're, we have a situation where we've also lost Norgard, we've lost Pontus, um, as well as Baptiste and Roseleb, and we just can't cope. We, you know, we're whole below the waterline at the moment. We haven't got a big enough squad. So, yes, you know, if you said to me, could we have got a lonely right back in till Christmas, I'd have bitten your hand off. We have got six midfield players, of which I think three are injured. You know, we can't really cope with this at the moment, but we'll just have to. We just have to get on with it, smile support them as well as we can and wait for things to get better because we're just juggling you know we're rearranging deck chairs on the titanic at the moment god i'm sounding miserable tonight i do apologize mm. but it, you know that it's it, i just don't think there's anything you can do you can't make bricks without straw we don't have we don't have much straw at the moment the, the lonely right back or the right back scenario let's hold that thought for a little bit because first of all what we're going to do we're going to go over to will also the spreadsheet winker and he's going to give us well, his little rundown on both the matches, both the Stoke City match and also the Norwich match as well to see, you know, what went right and what went wrong stats-wise. And after that, we're going to come back and we're going to talk a little bit more about those two games. Spreadsheet Winker. This week we're going to give a rundown of both the Stoke and Norwich games. 
First of all, Stoke versus Brentford from Saturday. In terms of XG, Bradford had 0.92 and Stoke had 0.75. Bees only had 0.1 XG in the entirety of the first half, whereas Stoke had 0.45. Only two attempts on goal for Brentford and both were speculative. Our 3-4-3 formation stopped us being able to attack as fluently, probably because we were like one man in central midfield compared to usual. We also spent more time defending because Stoke were able to cut through our middle much easier. Despite this, they were very lucky to score their second goal, a 35th minute strike from McLean with just a 4% chance of going in. Their first goal, scored by Fletcher on 9 minutes, was a much bigger chance and the only one above 10% that Bees gave away all game. Rico and Mad Sorensen weren't quick enough to track Fletcher's run and he put away a free header at the back post. In the second half, when the Bees formation changed back to 4-4-3, Bees were stronger at the back and more fluent in attack. The Campbell goal, which ultimately sealed the game for Stoke, again had just a 4% chance of going in. He did very well at getting the ball across Raya and making him dive for it, but most of the time those shots will either be blocked or saved. Force had an excellent game when he came on, putting away his first from a great Ivan Tony layoff after Dalsgaard won the ball through excellent pressing. It came in the 70th minute and had 0.22 xG. His second was a brilliant poacher's goal, capitalising on a loose back pass and slotting home into an empty net in the 91st minute. The position of the keeper means this goal has a high XG rating of 46%. I can hardly complain about the result of this one. The fact is that 3-4-3 in the first half did not work for Brentford. The game was gone before we could get our passing and attacking together. Let's have a look at the Norwich game from Tuesday night. In terms of XG, Bees had 1.85, whereas Norwich had just 0.82. The main chances in this game were the two goals. Tony's goal in 27 minutes was a lightning fast move started by Jensen winning the ball, continued by Godosh playing Mbermo through and finished perfectly by Ivan after an inch perfect cross from Brian, which was actually on his much weaker left foot. It had an XG rating of 63% because of Ivan getting around the back of the keeper Cruel, who dived for the cross. Then there was Norwich's goal, scored by McLean on 87 minutes. This was a massively unlucky goal for Brentford to concede and in fact only two in a hundred similar shots would hit the back of the net. And it only went in because of a massive deflection. Bees should however arguably have been ahead after Dalsgaard missed a huge chance with a shot following a knockdown from Tony on 63 minutes. At a high XG rating of 51%. Norwich had seemed very dominant in the first half an hour or so, but in reality despite having lots of shots, they were all speculative and of low XG. They didn't actually register a single shot above 0.1 XG all game. That's 10%. I think the Bees were actually very unlucky to lose this one, despite some of the subs not having the desired impact on the game. Canos, for example, only made seven passes in his 30 minutes on the pitch, and only four of those were accurate. He probably needs to have a bigger impact on the game if he's to be considered against Fosu or Godos for his position in the matches to come. So, Will, the spreadsheet winker, thank you Nottingham Forest fans for actually giving us a nice little feature for our podcast there so you know listen he said it as it is to, to be fair actually and like he said you know we we're getting despondent about this but we were you know I mean there wasn't much in the Stoke game to be quite honest with you both sides didn't create loads but Stoke scored three goals out of it you know we scored two you know like I said to you 0.75 to 0.92 so the XGs weren't great but they just kind of just like you know we were just so all over the place we looked really terrible in that first game and like I said to the Norwich game we were actually much better than them when it comes to created chances and we must be feel like I said we feel gutted 
you know, sort of kind of, you know, giving, 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 giving that ball away now. I mean, Gre- Gre- listen, Greville. Uh, I'm just trying to think where do we, where do, where do we go from here? Because we, we had a, we had um, Dalsgaard struggling. Where do we go from here? Well, we go to Luton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. no. But I'm just about to say that the Stoke game. Um, and also we've got, you know, interestingly, we've got um, Canos, who he's getting a little bit because people are quite sh- not sure about his contribution. Now, what's interesting is some people are saying, you know, when Canos played at right back, he played really well. And we're looking like we're kind of missing this sort of substitute right back situations, you know, this backup right back, um, this backup full back, this flying right back. You know, do you think this is something that maybe Canos can sort of kind of morph himself into? Do you think this might be a better role for him? I mean, it would be so difficult. It's so difficult for him to come back after such a terrible injury and such a long gap. He's trying to get himself back. He's trying to get himself match fit. He's trying to, you know, get rid of the cobwebs. Yeah, I mean, he's certainly not contributing as a winger. I mean, he's a liability when he comes on at the moment, which is a terrible shame. And it must be really you know, bad for his own mental stability because, you know, the crowd, well, what crowd? The supporters are getting at him. Yeah, I mean, he played brilliantly at right wing back, but that was in a, a four, in a, in a in a three. He played in a three four three. Um, he's never played in a back four as a as a right back. Now he tried Fosu at right back against Fulham, and it went very well. Maybe he could do the same with Canos, because at the moment it really isn't working for Sergi, and I feel desperately sorry for him. GP, I'm a bit for yeah. I mean, it's a bit frustrating to see. The you know a lot of the comments on social media um, aim geared towards him because as I said, he's seven games into a season. He's he's had that big injury and yes, he had a couple of um, runs in the playoffs and that's about it. He's still coming back. Um, he'll want to play better. I don't think that people getting on his back is going to do any good. Um, Yes, you know, people got to you get all right. Yes, you can criticise, but you've got to be constructive with that criticism. Uh, I'm not one. I'm not one of these. Chuck him out the team. He's no good. Based on somebody's last four, last four appearances. Yes, he hasn't been playing the well the last couple of games. But it's only a couple of games, and you know, it's up to him to you know, to up it to up his performance level. I just don't think he's going to do that with people getting on his back. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it would be good to see um, Sergi, you know, maybe going back to that full, full back, and maybe you know, maybe we do need a bit of a switch around to three four three. But then we've got the old situation: who who are who are the three centre backs? Because we had three centre backs, but it didn't um, it just didn't um, work just didn't work for us on Saturday. I mean, I, I would say you know, again, you know, we're sort of sitting there. We made a you know suggestion about Sergi playing. You know, as a fullback, and I think that you know, rather than sort of kind of slagging them off, you're trying to sort of kind of find a solution for a player that's obviously played for us for a while that we like, and you sort of think, you know, at, at the moment he's not performing to his best, so how else can he perform within the side? But also the other thing is that you know we 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 are kind of lacking, you know, we we, we really want that kind of sort of wide option. We 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 really need that 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 well that wide option. I mean, I actually thought we were going to buy a wide player in the window and it, and it didn't happen as such and I don't know whether or not this is something where we might sort of kind of I say regret but we might we might find a it might, might cause us a few problems down the line Greville what do you think? We've got Canos who 
just isn't at the races at the moment. I'm not blaming him. It's how it is. You've got Godos, who is nowhere near Max fit, but he's a footballer. You can see some of the passes and some of the instincts. He is going to be a really good player, but I don't see him as someone that's going to go gallivanting down the wing. Uh, you've got Mabuemo, who is... I, I don't know. I'd love to get inside his head. You know, I suspect that he's missing his French cohort. He's the last one left of the BMW. He's maybe feeling a bit sorry for himself. He's maybe feeling a little boy lost. He's a kid still, remember? And I actually think rather than have a go at him, I'd praise him because I reckon he's playing at 30% of his capacity. Opponents are triple marking him and he's still managed to get a goal and four or five assists. Now, of course, he's not producing much but he's doing okay and I just think we've got to give him time and we've got to put a figurative arm round him and then we've got Fosu and uh, who the hell knows about Fosu because apart from that uh, cameo against Fulham where he was very very good we really haven't seen much of him and you know maybe that uh, Thomas Frank is keeping him fit and sharp and ready maybe we'll see him unleashed at Luton um but really, the, wing, the wingers are not contributing to the extent that they, they need to because obviously they've got to go up and down the line. They've got to create. They've got to come in from the, the wing. They've got to defend. They've got to, do a, they've got to be workhorses, and they're not at the moment. Also, what was concerning, I mean, we talked about Fosu, but his old teammate, his old Oxford teammate, Shandon Baptiste, who we found out today, he came out on social media to say that he's actually just had an operation on his knee. Um, which means that, you know, he's a player that everyone was wondering, when's he going to come in? Because maybe, you know, is he going to come in for Norgard and central defence? We need to kind of, like, he's one of the players that we're really hoping all of a sudden is knee injury. And to me, that means, I mean, he's going to be out for at, probably at least three months, isn't he? And that, that's, that's a bit of a concern because that is a key area where, you know, we thought we'd be able to sort of kind of start dominating. Greville. Oh, it's, um, it's, tra- it's a tragedy. He's a young boy with massive ability who has suffered so many serious injuries at both Oxford and at Brentford. He's done his shoulder, he's done his cruciate, he's done his knee. Um, You know, he's either really, really, really unlucky or, well, I don't know, he's just really, really, really unlucky. Um, But he's beginning to remind me totally unfairly that the the words Lewis McLeod went through my head today. Um, You know, we just can't get this guy on the pitch and I'm not blaming him because maybe this was a contact injury and you can't do anything about contact injuries. Uh, But we so miss his ability, his box-to-box, his skill, his running ability. He is a footballer and I thought he'd be a starter. And at the moment, that means we're down to three, we're down to four midfield players. We've got Josh uh, De Silva, who we've got to put in an iron lung because we need him every single game. And we took him off yesterday and that has been so heavily criticised, but I just didn't see the alternative. You know, to be honest, um, I don't know if you watch. If you look at the way he walked off the pitch, yeah, he, he, you know that wasn't the walk of a that wasn't a very sprightly stroll off the pitch. He, no, yeah, I'm with like, you. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, Gaz, because we need him. He's our man, and Thomas rightly doesn't want to run him into the ground. Now, I think I put on the grapevine when I was feeling very angry last night because it was a bit like Bristol City last year. We had the points in our grasp. You know, win this game before you start worrying about the next. But, you know, what do you do? We need Josh De Silva at at least 85% on Saturday. 
and he, you know, we ran the risk of having him maybe at 60%. So it's cost us two points. Otherwise, we were decent. If we'd have won that game last night, 1-0, we'd all be jumping up and down now. So that's just one thing has caused us this gloom and despond. But the, my real concern about the midfield is Norgard, maybe we'll see him after the next break or certainly in December. Um, Janel has done decently. You can't ask any more than him. He's probably done more than we could expect. But what it really means is at home, we have to play Jensen and Marcondes together. And I'm not going to go into a Marcondes, uh, you know, criticism or anything like that. He does what he does. Jensen has actually, in my view, beginning to crystallise and come out as the player we really know he is. And he's beginning to actually contribute in games where he's put under pressure. Whereas before, you wouldn't see him in those games. But when you have Macondes and Jensen together at home, we can get away with it, hopefully, against a Swansea, because they'll let us play. Norwich let us play. But you get some of these cloggers coming. And I think we will be absolutely bombarded. And I think it will be a real problem. Um, so without Baptiste, we just don't have any options. That, that's my concern, I'm sorry to say. How do you feel about it? Listen, I, listen, I, 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 I feel the same, and that's, and that's probably why I said, you know, and Gary's saying the same thing as well, and that's why I think it's is slightly frustrating. And you know, you come to the transfer window, you're not having a go, but you're sort of. It's easy for us to say in retrospect, but you sort of think, you know, do we, you know, do we need to sort of stock up? There's some teams who have got, you know, they've got quite a few players on their belt, and they can pull them out. And whether or not this is kind of, you know, especially after last season, you know, we, you know, we we needed to come back kind of you know strong and uh, we've been we were very lucky I think with injuries as well pretty much you know okay Pontus was out last season but you know this season is it the state that we we've we've come undone you know the the luck that we had of not having the injuries for was it last season maybe the season before they started to hit us this season Gary yeah I think one of the issues that we've got is that we we started this season at disappointment level six we just lost another playoff. We then lost. Um, we we then lost Ben Rama and Watkins, who everybody loved. We've got this current situation. The current situation we're in, so it really hasn't taken much for instead of say like you know what like we might on a normal situation it might be murmurs. We might we might be having we, we might be having murmurs, but I think at the moment because of that. We're being a bit harsh on the team. Listen, we're being harsh. Listen, so look, we've talked a lot about this now, but what we're going to do, we're going to go over. We're going to take JB. JB's got a bit of stats. We're going to see what JB's stats about with the funk. And he gives us a little bit of stats about goal scoring and all sorts. Let's have a little listen to what JB has got to say. Hello, Jonathan Birchall here again. We mentioned last week when talking about Ivan Tony's seven goals that he could have been top goalscorer in some seasons with that number. It's very true. The last of those was in 1980-81 when Bob Booker top scored with just seven goals for the season. Yet amazingly we finished in ninth place in the third tier. It also happened in the 1972-73 relegation season when John Doherty and Alan Murray both top scored with seven. Although Tony scored in four successive league games, the club record remains intact. That's held by centre-forward Fred Monk, who in 1951 scored in 10 consecutive games, netting 11 goals. He was a versatile player who actually started that season playing at right-back. 
Since Tommy Higginson became our first goal-scoring substitute in 1965, 115 other players have done likewise in the League and Cup. But last Saturday, Marcus Force became part of an even more elite club, joining seven other substitutes to score two goals from the bench. The others were Ron Fenton, Jay Tabbs, Seda Berahino, Sam Saunders, Faradel Alagui, Scott Hogan and Sully Kaikai. But Force did create a little bit of club history, as he's the only one to score his two in an away game. So that was JB's stat attack. And tell you something, what was interesting is uh, he talked about it because last season, was it Laney that's talking about, you know, the fact that Ivan Dodi's probably scored more goals than uh, some of our players back in the day had done all season. And, and I said to you, and it's interesting because obviously Greville's, nice little link here for you, Greville, as well, talking about um, the fact that Bob, Bobby Booker, Top scorer in 1988, he won with seven goals, and we, we actually finished in ninth place. How can we, how can we finish ninth place with a top scorer with seven goals? That's ridiculous, Breville. How did that happen? Oh God, no! I think I think that was yeah, it was 88, 80, 81. Uh, yeah, I think we had a really good defence. I think we had Dave McKellar in goal, and he 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 stopped everything. There just weren't many goals. I think that was the season we won eleven away games. I'm guessing, but I might be right. And we just kept drawing everything nil-nil at home, and it was a terrible season. Um, but we actually paved the way for a couple of years later when we brought in Francis Joseph and Tony Mahoney and had Gary Roberts. We had the best front three in the middle, best front three in the division, and then Herlock Kamara Bowles. So, you know, we were building under Fred Callahan. What happened? What went wrong there? I wonder. So you're saying that we are the Reading. We are the Reading of the of the era. You know what I'm saying? Maybe we, we, tight defence, but hardly scoring anything. Except last night, guess. Was there a lot of movement during that season? I remember that at that point you didn't have transfer windows. You could pretty much decide on a Monday morning, right? I want to sell a player. There was no, yeah, you know, nothing to worry about contracts. So there were, you know, at that point players could move about. At any point during the season, or two, as long as two, as long as everybody agreed the move was happening. Well, um, it was the that, transfer deadline. Was there a de- I, I mean, to be honest, yeah. I, don't, yeah. I think there might have been March. at the end. Yeah, yes. probably around March. Yeah. But again, I mean, if a striker's moved in and another one's moved out, and you've got that kind of movement around, then you know it might it might have been like seven goals in twenty, or seven goals in twenty-two, or something like that, which. You know, sounds a lot better than seven in forty-six. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. And also, it's interesting. Is it's talking about the, the players who scored two goals from the bench because uh, I, I, I completely forgot Farid Alagui as we got him from Falkirk has scored a couple of goals coming from the bench as well. And um, and also uh, Scott Hogan, of course. But also the other player because I forgot because he always sort of seemed to us to be a little bit of a failure. I thought because he came to us like highly rated and we thought yeah, he's going to be brilliant. It's Sully Kai Kai, and when he came, he didn't quite do it for us. But then he did score two goals as he came off the bench, and I completely forgot about that. Do you remember that game, Griff? That was his final match, wasn't it? <laughs> it probably, probably was. You know, oh no, he scored too many goals. Let's let him go. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't great. He wasn't great, but he scored a yeah. fantastic goal against Cardiff, I think, on Boxing Day. I can't remember when his other goal was, but he got um, he, he got a really, really good twenty-five yarder. Um, otherwise, the only ever good thing he did was at Aston Villa, where he put in the cross for John Egan's last-minute equaliser or late equaliser, and that was a great evening. No, that was at Villa. 
Where's he? Where's he now? Because I'm sure Blackpool, he scored. Blackpool. 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 Yeah, he scored the other night. Didn't yeah, he? he scored the other. He scored on Saturday. Yeah. 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 So yeah. So anyway, listen, JB, Jonathan Birchall there with his stats. Do you like? Tell somebody. Do you like the funk? Do you, we've got a little bit of funk going on there, Greville. Do you like a bit of funk? Do you? Absolutely. A bit of funk. A bit of garage. A bit of everything. Absolutely. That's right. You just throw it all into the kitchen sink, don't you, Griff? I can see that the kitchen sink behind you as well in your in your boudoir. <laughs> so anyway, listen. This is the lounge. <laughs> okay, all right. You can call it what you want, mate. But anyway, look. We're trying to keep things positive here. We're trying to think things. Listen, it hasn't gone particularly well for Brentford, but you know, by the time you blink, and I got there the other day, people had a few. I think it was the Norwich fans that asked me a question. You know, how's your season going? I'm, I'm going. I'm not being funny, but I've got no idea what's going on. I go to sleep, I wake up again, and there's just another game. It's like you know, there just seems to be a game every day. You know, it's just it's getting far too much, and it's it just can't keep up. So anyway, I've got to sleep again, and I've woken up, and there seems to be another game in like another day or so. We've got Luton. They're going up to Luton. Last time we went up to Luton, things didn't go particularly well. So fingers crossed things are going to go a little bit better this time. We're going to find out a little bit more about Luton. We're going to talk to my chum, Lewis Williams, the vlogger up in Luton, and he's going to give us the lowdown of what's happening up in Luton Town. Hello, my name is Lewis Williams and I am a Luton Town supporter. I have a YouTube channel called Lewis Williams where I make Luton Town content and I've been supporting Luton since the age of two and I've been going to home and away matches since then. Since the return of Nathan, Luton are back to normal. When Graham Jones was in charge at Luton, we just weren't the same team. I don't know what he did behind the scenes, but the players... He just couldn't get the best out of the players. But since the return of Nathan, he's managed to get the best out of the players, which he brought to the club. You know, we're performing really well. We're playing attractive football, which we were doing before he left. And it's great to see. He kept us up brilliantly. He had a big task. I didn't expect him to do as well as he did, but he proved me wrong. I'm very surprised to obviously see him come back because of how he left in the first place but he's doing a brilliant job now Nathan Jones at Luton we're known for playing a certain formation we're known to play the diamond but since he's returned back to the club we've not really played that during the like games last season in the remaining nine games we played a 4-2-3-1 which is something which we're not used to as fans but then at the start of this season we've been playing a 4-3-3 and we've been picking up more results which has gone really well for us playing attractive football and beating teams which I believe we should be beating I do believe we are more prepared this season because all the players which we currently got at the club have had pretty much a season in the championship under their belt so they know what the championship is all about but also, I feel like recruitment has been a lot better for us, um, especially in the summer. We're signing players which have got something to prove, not players which are like journeyman players who have gone to club to club. So I do believe we are more prepared this season for the championship. I feel like we've got the right staff around the camp as well. So everything is right for us this season, for us to maybe become dark horses. I'm not too sure, but everything's in place for us to do that if we do want to what players do I believe we should 
be looking out for. Definitely Dewsbury Hall. Dewsbury Hall is a player which we got from Leicester on loan. He signed a new deal before he actually came out on loan. And he does look like a player for the future. And he does have the qualities to be a Premier League like player himself and their fans rate him quite highly the same with Joe Morrell from Bristol City a player which they didn't actually want to see leave the club but he does look a promising player as well and he's also a Wales international player so those are the players which I believe we should be looking out for now the seat Looking at the league table itself, I do believe it's a fair reflection. I do believe we should have won against Stoke, so maybe we should have had an extra three points there. But the games which we have won so far this season have been fair. We have, well, we did deserve to win those games. The game against Watford, we just weren't good enough at all. The same with Millwall, but with the Stoke game, we well we created plenty of opportunities we just couldn't get the three points so I do believe the table is a fair reflection of our season do I believe we've had a tough start to the season no I think we've played teams which I believe we should be beating so the likes of Barnsley and Wickham who I believe will be down there at the end of the season and also we've played some hard teams so the likes of Watford and Millwall I am confident that we can hold our own against Brentford. I do believe we can hold our own against any team in the Championship. It's not going to be an easy game, as Brentford do have players which can cause us problems, like Ivan Tony. Yes, Brentford have lost two key players, such as um, Ben Ratma and um, Watkins, but I do expect us to try and win the game. We are the home side. I do want us to get as much points as possible at home. But I do believe we can hold our own against Brentford. It's going to be a hard game, but we know how to beat them. I don't think Brentford are the same team which they were last season. Maybe it's going to take more games for them to hit that form which they were doing last season. I'm not too sure, but I believe we can control them. I think with the likes of Glenn Ray, you know, man marking Ivan Tony, I think that is a possibility for us to stop him. So... I reckon we can hold our own against Brentford. Like I said, like, I believe we can hold our own against any team in the Championship. We just need to play our football. Don't need to change for Brentford. We are the home side, so hopefully we can get a positive result against Brentford. Score prediction is quite hard to predict because, obviously, we haven't played against the Nottingham... Score prediction is really hard to predict as I don't know what the result is um, because... Score prediction is really hard because we haven't played Nottingham Forest yet. But I do believe, well, if we lose against Nottingham Forest, we're going to need to get a positive result against Brentford. But then if we beat Nottingham Forest, we are in decent form for the Brentford game. So I'm going to go safe and just go with a 1-1 score prediction. So that was Lewis Williams, Luton fan. Does a lot of stuff from TV blogging, podcasting and that kind of stuff. Good bloke, Lewis as well and uh, he thought they were down and out last season. I mean I was chatting to him just before the end of the season and he really did think they were down and out but Navin Jones came in and and, and he turned things around and uh, well, I mean <laughs> we're not particularly happy about that. I've got to be honest with you Lewis because it, uh, it kind of scuppered us to be quite honest with you and we're just hoping that we're not going to be scuppered again on Saturday when we go up to, uh, up to Luton 
um, because those are the kind of places where we do get scuffered. And uh, I'm a little bit, little bit worried actually because Nathan Jones seems to have done a decent job up at there. They obviously, he obviously knows the club. He knows what it's all about. A small little club. He's he's able to sort of kind of just bring all the elements in and just and just make them play like they're supposed to. And he went to Stoke and it didn't quite work out for them there. But it seems to be working out at Luton. And it could be a bit of a a problem for us again, couldn't it, GP? Yeah, I must admit, I'm, um, you know, in trepidation going to Luton um, on Saturday. Uh, I think they're above us in the table, aren't they, as well? One place. Um, well, no, but they're playing Forest tonight, where we're recording. Oh, so they could actually go, like, oh, well, they're playing Forest, to be honest. Play for, Forest. And perhaps that's what we should do, have a look at Forest every time we've, we're feeling down. Maybe that will pick us up a little bit, but... Yeah, I mean, I do agree with him. Luton is stronger, which, bearing in mind what happened earlier this year, doesn't bode too well for us. Um, but, you know, I think we really do need fresh legs out there to be able to cope with them. Um, I'll tell you what, I'm going to look at it the other way around. I actually think it's not bad for us because there won't be fans there. Kenilworth Road is a, it's a bit like Griffin Park, without the charm, of course, because it's a very tight ground very vociferous, fairly nasty fans. And they really, really, I mean, the game last February or this February, um, where they were expecting nothing and we, we didn't really turn up on the night. And after about 10, 15 minutes, they realized that we weren't at it and they had a chance when they got, when we, and I remember Baptiste scored an own goal and that mm. crowd was so loud and got behind and they lifted their team and they fully deserved to beat us on the night. We were, turgid but they were they were better than us on the night but that crowd i thought were the 12th man so without the crowd it's now just a question of whether we turn up on the night on the day or not and i think we will turn up and i think we will win there you go okay listen and just i mean let's look at their you know what they're all about luton they create chances through individual skills so they've got you know they've got some good players in there as well and once they go ahead and it's the thing we don't want them to go ahead they're good at protecting the lead but where they're weak you know, down the wings, they're weak, you know. If you put the ball and the through ball, they're weak as well. They're also weak in the air. And also, they're just weak in, you know, stopping opponents from creating chances. So if you've got skillful players out there, they're good weak at that. But also, they seem to get caught offside loads as well. So there's plenty of opportunity for Brentford to go in there and do the business, isn't there? Yeah, I, I think so. And, uh, you know, obviously, we've got Ivan Tony, eight goals in eight games, whatever it is, the beast. Um, we've got our new our new secret weapon, you know, for the footballing Brentford, which is the long throw. Um, so, look, maybe we can put them under pressure. Maybe we'll get a little bit of service from the wings this time. Maybe we'll defend properly. Maybe the, we'll get a bit of rubber of the green. I mean, that last second equaliser last night was so, so ridiculously unfair and unlucky. You know, let's get a bit of luck and then we can win it. There you go. Oh, tell you something. I was gutted. I was. I was gutted about that. Just go back to Norwich, and I'll be honest with you. I'll say that if somebody, if, if Norwich finished fifteen points ahead of us, fifteen points clear at the top of the league this season, and they're fifteen points clear, I don't want to hear anyone saying, "Ah, oh, tell you what, that was a good result against Norwich because you know, ah, oh, they're fifteen points clear." Because still, even if they're 15, twenty points clear. To me, that was still not a good result. That should have been our game yesterday, and I'm still going to be equally as gutted. Um, GP, your thoughts on this Luton game? Yeah, I mean, if, 
the thing is, I think what you're seeing in this current climate is that every game is winnable. You know, I'm not being funny. If Villa beat Villa can do Liverpool seven. We can do Luton seven. We've done it before. <laughs> yeah, we've done it before. We can do it again. But you know, you just don't know. Um, obviously, we're missing. You know, missing Pontus, missing um, Dow's. Sorry, not Dow's guard. Missing Nordgaard. Um, you know, with these guys missing, it does it, it puts that level of doubt in us. Um, I know, obviously, we're talking about strengthening, but how good a player can you buy to just sit on the bench and wait for another player to get injured? It, you know, it's what it's one of those things. Um, injuries is something you have to deal with, and injuries is something everybody's going to have to deal with. I think we can, you know. So look, don't get me wrong; we can win this game. Um, we can win it. We're all feeling a bit down because you know because of what happened 24 hours ago. Uh, which is probably why we're seeing a bit of doubt. But under normal circumstances, we would go there and we would expect to win. Um, if we go and play as well as you know we know we can, you know, then we can win. You know, hopefully Janelle will be back and he might be able to give us a bit more steel in the middle, and um, we can t- we can take it to him. Yeah, listen. We, I mean, we're recording this before the Forest game. Their top goal scorer and Panzu, he scored two goals. Um, our top goal scorer, Ivan Tony, he scored eight goals in eight games. I'm going to ask a question for you boys there. So do you think that Ivan Tony, eight goals in eight games, do you think that he's going to score 46 goals this season? 46 goals in 46 games. Do you think it's on, Greville? Well, what's the record? Dixie Dean got 60. Ollie Watkins could have got 50 last year. Uh, Mope could have got about 70. Uh, who knows? You know, uh, if we keep creating for him. I mean, to be honest, he had two chances yesterday. Dean Holdsworth um, were close, wasn't he? And he got them both on target. He scored one. I mean, my granny could have scored it, but he made the run. And the other one was a great arching header, really great leaping header. So, I don't know. It, 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 he needs people to make him chances. I think he'll get 30. That's going, that's going. Some, like I said to you, Dean Holdsworth in there. Dean Holdsworth scored over 40 goals in one season. If you look back at that, you think that's ridiculous. Over 40 goals in one season. GP, do you reckon he's going to hit the 46? Yeah, he's not going to hit the 46, but um, he, I, I can see him scoring a hell of a lot of goals. And 30 is a very gettable target. Although, based on your arithmetic, it does mean that Johan Barbe is probably going to score about 13 aim goals for QPR. <laughs> Let's fingers crossed, actually. We could talk about QPR another week when we when we get really depressed, you know what I'm saying, after we've lost like three games in a row or something like that. Let's just roll that one out. But anyway, listen, go ahead. Just quickly, score prediction. Greville. Uh, 2-1 Brentford. GP. I actually say exactly the same. I think that Sheffield Wednesday are better than Luton. Um, and we won at Sheffield Wednesday, so I can see us winning at Luton. School prediction? Yeah, 2-1. Two, 2-1, one. Two, one. OK. And for me, 2-0 to the mighty, mighty bees. Listen, thanks very much for listening. I'm going to say to as well, quickly, because we're going back, just want to have a quick word as well for people out there. Um, as you know, we've been running our little coffee thing, which is uh, buy us a beer if you like what we're doing. And... Uh, <laughs> 
keep popping on there. People have been really lovely. I keep going on there. Lovely, loads of lovely comments. If you don't check it out, it's ko-fi.com forward slash besotted. Or if you just go to the uh, to the links to the description in here, we've got the link in there. Also on besotted as well. There's a little logo on the besotted.com as well, which you can click on there as well. And also in the articles, you just get it anyway. Ko-fi, ko-fi.com forward slash besotted. And like I said to you, if you love what we're doing, just buy us a beer and the Sue Terry. Thank you very much for buying us the beers. We're loving all the hard work and effort you boys put in. Keep it up. Especially love the dulcet tones of Laney. Ooh, little kissy tones as well. Ooh, Laney. Oh, <laughs> we might have to, yeah, there might, there might be a little bit of activity going on there, Laney, but, you know. But maybe not. We're just talking about fans. I don't, I'm not going to encourage him at all. Uh, Scott Williams as well. He bought us a beer. Thank you very much, Scott, as well. I've only been, I've been a Beast fan for the last three years, but I listen to your podcast every week from Tampa in Florida. In fact, he's only just down the road from my brother. I said down the road in America. Three hours drive is down the road. He's up in Tallahassee. I was lucky enough to watch a match at Griffin Park in 2018. I can't wait until I'm able to visit the UK again and see the new stadium. Keep up the great work. So listen, Scott brilliant thanks work for that as well Robert Keane as well always in there always in the house top boy Robert Keane and the hook bee as well in the house the hook bee excellent work really enjoyed the podcast so listen everybody thank you very much for buying us a beer um, like I said you wasn't in the pub the last couple of weeks because I was isolating but I might have to go there on Saturday just in case we have a, a terrible performance like we did last Saturday and I'll need to sort of drink myself silly with my 0% alcohol beer as I've been doing recently but anyway this is the besotted pride of West London podcast Thanks very much for listening. I'm in the virtual joint with my chums. I've got the Greville Waterman. Greville Waterman, thank you very much. Pleasure. Really good evening. Thank you, guys. Nice to see you both. Or hear you both. And GP, thank you very much. Yeah, good to see you boys again. And hopefully at some point we'll be doing this in the pub soon. Oh, that'd be great. Listen, that's, that's absolutely brilliant. Listen, check us out. Game's going to be on Saturday, wherever you're watching it, at home, in the pub, wherever you're going to do, in Griffin Park, new Griffin Park as well, where they've got another screening there. Last one sold out. Hope you all enjoy yourselves. Hope you get three points, and we'll catch up with you next week as we say, come on, you Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.